Hello, nursing students, and welcome back to another episode of School of Nursing. Um, it has been a while since we recorded an episode. Um, so just to reintroduce myself, my name is Lisa. I am a nursing instructor um, at a post-secondary institution with a BSCN program. So today we have the wonderful opportunity to talk to um, some ladies that have some NICU experience. Um, and they're going to shed a lot of light on what it's like to be a NICU nurse, how you can get in as a student, um, and hopefully answer a lot of your burning questions that you have. So um, I've got Natalie to my left and Shannon to my right, and I am going to have them take over this podcast. So I hope you enjoy and email us if you have any questions. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here doing a podcast. I feel super cool, and hopefully my kids will look back and realize how cool I was back in 2021. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really that was really why I was doing this for Cool Factor. So um, I am. My name's Natalie, and I'm faculty at the same institution as Lisa. And I my background is peds and neonatal nursing. So I, I get a lot of questions from students about how do I become a peds nurse? How do I become a NICU nurse? And so I thought, let's let's talk about that. I think that's that's useful and we can make a podcast out of that because it's I think more than just one person would benefit from hearing that. So a little bit um, about me. I've been teaching at the same institution for going on seven years now and did I always want to be a NICU nurse? And I, I would have to actually say yes. <laughs> I was one of those those kids that knew I wanted to be a NICU nurse since I was a kid because my mom worked in the NICU for 30 years. And I remember calling her um, and hearing the gurgling of babies on the other end uh, while she was feeding them. And I thought, I just became, that was the norm. Um, she came home talking about the wonders of neonatal nursing and cuddling those babies and talking about the families. And it just, I knew I wanted to do it. And so when I was in high school, I had a great opportunity to do work experience in our nursery here in town. And I actually did 300 hours in the nursery and got to experience it as a high school student. And the nurses were so gracious, just teaching me about how important families were and the little nuances of the babies. And I volunteered the cuddling program and got to cuddle these little newborns, both in peds and the nursery there. Um, I didn't finish my preceptorship in the NICU though. I ended up going the pediatric route um, and did my final practicum at a children's hospital in pediatric medicine. I didn't actually veer until NIC to NICU until about a year and a half after. And I took a full-time position at a level three NICU. And in order to work at the level three NICU, I had to do three months of training at a different hospital in order to then come back to the hospital that I was hired at so that I was ready and prepared to take care of these critically ill newborns. I worked in, the, in that children's hospital for quite a few years. And in between that did travel nursing, working both in neonatal and pediatric specialties, and then continued to work there while I did my master's and my pediatric nurse practitioner licensure. And even though I was so happy to get my NP license, I was secretly so sad to all of a sudden lose my position in the NICU. Um, and I thought, I just, I can't let that go. I missed the families. I really missed bedside care and the privilege and the vulnerability of the position. Years later, I ended up coming more towards education and, you know, I gravitated back towards NICU nursing and I still hold a casual position there. And it still brings me such great joy to bring students there to tell students about it 
and to have those great experiences with the families. So I'm thrilled to have this conversation about why NICU, um, how to get into NICU nursing, neonatal nursing. And so, like I said, I get a lot of questions about how do I become um, a specialty nurse or a neonatal nurse? And, and then I, the other question I get is, if I don't have my final practicum there, I'll never become a NICU nurse. And students get very deflated thinking that they have to have their final practicum where they want to end up. And so I'm here to tell you that if you don't have your final preceptorship in the neonatal intensive care or some sort of nursery, it's okay. The doors are not closed. And so I thought, let's talk about this in a podcast. And so I have a clinical educator here from a level two NICU to talk to us about the NICU specialty, why diverse experience is important, and what attributes and skills are needed in neonatal nursing, and tips to build your resume. So I hope you get a lot about neonatal nursing and know that all hope is not lost and maybe even spark some interest in you if you didn't think neonatal nursing was for you. So I would like to welcome my guest, Shannon. Thanks, Natalie. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And so well, I'd just like to start off, tell us a little bit about how you chose uh, NICU. Tell us about your story. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, I loved listening to you, Natalie, because <laughs> my story is completely polar opposite from yours. And yet here we are. <laughs> yeah, We're both NICU nurses. We both love the babies. Um, we both love the challenges and the rewards that NICU nursing can bring. So um, I didn't even want to be a nurse. I'm not going to lie. I had no desire to be a nurse. <laughs> um, I was in the pre-med program, and I was planning to go down the medicine route. And, um, and then I met my husband and wanted to have babies and didn't want to be in school forever and ever. So I just threw, threw an application, and I'm like, well, I'll just try nursing. Um, and I'll never forget the day I got the letter back. And they said, yeah, I'm like, you're in the program. And I said... To my then fiance, well, I guess I'm going to be a nurse. Like, let's just see how this goes. So um, didn't know anything about NICU nursing. Didn't really have any exposure at all to NICU nursing. I went through the program. And then in my third year, they did have that alternate experience, which maybe you guys have all done that or heard of it, um, where you had one day to try something that wasn't a part of a clinical program. And um, I had one day in a level two NICU and immediately fell in love with it. I thought, this is my jam, I love this. I'm gonna come back here when I'm finished my degree. And I, I just knew that. I, I went home that day and I said to my husband, I'm gonna be a NICU nurse. And um, I didn't preceptor in the NICU either. I ended up doing um, occupational health, which is, sorry guys, so boring. <laughs> Except for during the pandemic, what are you talking about? <laughs> for me, I, you know what? I had a brand new baby at the time, and I thought these hours are golden. I love the Monday to Friday. Let's just let's just get through the degree, finish the program, and then I'm gonna go back to NICU when I'm done. So I I graduated from nursing, went on to Peds, um, took a line on Peds, got a whole bunch of amazing experience. I love pediatrics as well. I completely felt like I fit in there, loved it. Um, and then my husband. Um, did some locum work. He's a pharmacist. So we moved up to the very high Arctic north, Canada, um, 900 kilometers above the tree line, literally nothing but snow and rocks. And we lived there for a year where I did outpost nursing for a year. Um, I was, I got one, one day of orientation to day shift, Oh my goodness. one day to night shift. And then I was in charge 
terrifying year but it also offered me some of the best experience I could ever hope for ever I'm not gonna to say that I recommend that um that level <laughs> of for the fainted heart <laughs> no. but honestly um, I, I don't regret it at all it was incredible I loved it I, I hated and loved it so much so um I finished that, came back, and thought, okay, now I'm going to do NICU nursing. I, I feel like I, I want to do this. So I, I had a lot more on my on my resume than I did when I had graduated. I had pediatric experience. I had acute care experience, um, very remote acute care experience. So um, I ended up working casually in the NICU to begin, and I, I loved it. I loved it just as much then as I loved it on that one day that I had in third year. So that is how I became a NICU nurse. My experience was so different from yours, but um, I feel like we, honestly, we connect well with our love over neonatal nursing, however we got here. Yeah. So, And I think that's important for nurses, you know, nursing students to know is that re nobody, really, I, I can't think of anybody on our faculty that had a linear story. Everybody mm -hmm. has worked so many different places, mm -hmm. and that is, and I say this to students all the time, that's the joy of, of nursing, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to be a kind of anything nurse, right? Absolutely. We, we can change, we move, um, the profession adapts with our life, mm -hmm. and that's a great example of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, you don't have to start off at a subspecialty, and uh, some people do. Some people start off in a specialty, and that's them the rest of their lives, but yeah. there's just so much flexibility and, and not to have fear in, in not knowing where you want to be or mm -hmm. um, trying different things. So I'm curious, you know, you talked about that you loved the NICU, and, mm -hmm. and there was something there that just sparked your interest. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what was it that made you feel, this is it, this is what, this is where I want to be? I feel like um, one thing that probably piqued my interest was I knew nothing about it. And I knew I knew I wasn't cut out for myself. I knew I wasn't cut out to be like a surgical nurse or I knew I didn't love occupational health nursing. It was fine, but I didn't love it. Um, I had never been in a NICU before. I had never, I knew nothing about the world of sick babies. I had lots of baby experience growing up like I was around babies a lot but I didn't even know what they looked like when they were sick or what hospitals did for babies who were sick so it was just this big brand new world that I knew nothing about that was so fascinating to me it wasn't about oh I want to cuddle babies they're so cute it was oh my gosh these humans are so little so complex so perfect in every way other than a lot of them were just immature and what can we do to support their growth and development so they can go home with their families I fell in love with the families I thought I thought NICU nursing was this weird alternate universe that I did not know existed and I loved that part about it my personality has always been one you know I see something that I want I work really hard 
I usually can achieve it. I, I feel very blessed that way. I usually can get what I want if I work hard enough and put my mind to it. And I knew that NICU nursing would be challenging enough that it would, it would frighten me because I knew nothing, literally nothing about it. I felt like the nursing program, I hadn't heard anything about sick babies at all. Like, you really don't talk about it yeah. in nursing school. Yeah. And so I think the frightening uncertainty of NICU nursing, honestly, is what attracted me to it. I thought it would be a great challenge, and it was, and it is still. I've been doing it for a decade, and I still don't know even near everything. So it's great that way. I agree. I mean, NICU nursing, although it's there's some incredible advancements in the specialty of neonatal nursing, actually much more than pediatrics, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, It is constantly evolving. And if you look back, you know, 30 years ago and how many babies died, Mm -hmm. you know, with surfactant and the lack of surfactant or Mm -hmm. different kind of technologies. And, um, and now looking at how much technology we have and different mm-hmm. treatment modalities. We're constantly, constantly learning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I agree, and, and that there's that excitement and sometimes fear, but it's, it's exciting, it right, of being a part of something yeah. that these kids are so fragile and knowing yeah. how important you are. And I feel like NICU nursing doesn't, it has its own little niche in the grand scheme of healthcare. So meetings that I go to as an educator now, we talk about the adult population, we talk about the pediatric population, and then they're like, oh, wait, one second, there's also the babies. <laughs> what do we do about the babies, right? Like, they're, neonates don't fit in with peds, and nope. they don't fit in with adult nursing nope. or medicine. So it's like this beautiful little pocket of nursing that nobody knows anything about, and I really, my hope is that we can spark some interest in neonatal nursing and and really inspire new nurses to want to be in the NICU because it is an amazing, amazing place to live. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you that it feels like this alternate universe. Whenever I take students onto the, uh, you know, our local NICU here, they gasp a little bit going, what the hell is this place, right? <laughs> they see these ears light up and all these weird things happening. All the monitors right? and the dinging and the little I, houses that everybody's living in. I know. <laughs> I know. Right? Everything's so super tiny. And we're like, yeah, that's normal. What are you talking about, yeah. right? You know, we get scared when we see a 20 mil, 20 mil syringe, right? Yeah. Anyways, but um, it is. It's this own little world that it just, once you are introduced to it, it's like mm-hmm. you can't leave and it becomes a part of you. Mm-hmm. Forever. 100%. So, I mean, so let's talk about that. So let's talk about, hey, NICU nursing is amazing, but how do you become mm-hmm. a NICU nurse? You just apply one day or how does the training happen? So let's let's talk about all that. So say you were hired, mm-hmm. okay, and then so how does, what what is the typical training? Because we just said, I mean, mm-hmm. you're in typical undergraduate nursing programs we don't go through an extensive NICU orientation we talk a little bit about in our program the high-risk neonate for sure but we primarily focus on the well newborn and normal healthy transitions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit more about the typical training you would see if you became a neonatal nurse um this is a good question I think if you come um if you if you're hired into a NICU it's we are happy if you have a little bit of an understanding of what a well newborn looks like and what a well 
newborn behaves like. So if you, if you do come with experience either in pediatrics, um, just so you understand babies in general and what normal vital signs look like for babies and, and the challenges of assessing a baby, um, and or if you come with postpartum experience, I think those are great, great places to start. If, if you can have an understanding of a well baby, it's going to be easier for a neonatal nurse to recognize an unwell baby or a rapidly deteriorating baby. So you may have a baby admitted to the NICU who um, is just admitted for, for size. Maybe this baby is less than the appropriate number of grams to be admitted to a NICU. And so he's admitted, admitted to be fed and to grow. Um, almost always there's gonna be little challenges along the way. So you need to learn, you need to, learn to recognize what isn't normal in order um, to be successful as a NICU nurse. So that being said, the orientation program of a NICU, um, I can only speak for my site. Um, it's pretty extensive with classroom work. So you have up to, up to two weeks um, full time of just classroom. Those are full eight hour days um, where we talk about neonatal assessments, feeding, respiratory supports, um, you name it, head to toe all the challenges of neonatal nursing and what an unwell baby um, may need for supports. Um, that is followed by, for our site again, which it's probably different depending on where you're hired, um, but you have 96 hours of buddy shifts as well. So following your, your classroom, you're buddied with another nurse for four 12-hour day shifts and four 12-hour night shifts. Maybe that's not 96 hours. Maybe that's I didn't hours. do the math either. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that works out to be. Don't quote me on that. Um, our hope is that when you start your buddy shifts, you have a strong background of the documentation, what an assessment looks like, the supporting um, interventions. So IVs, central lines, x-rays, um, blood work, CPAP, high flow, low flow, all the things that you would maybe see on adult unit as well, but the parameters for NICU nursing are so different than an adult unit. So CPAP on a baby looks absolutely nothing like CPAP on an adult. In fact, I would have not the foggiest idea what normal is for adult or any of those settings, right? So we teach you um, all of those things for babies, what that looks like in uh, a NICU. So funny enough, you learn about vital signs in nursing school, you learn about how to take a blood pressure, you learn about the basics of how to assess a patient. We, when we orientate you to a NICU, the expectation is you kind of have to forget all the normal numbers that you've memorized for adults and start from scratch because your blood pressure cuff is, you know, an inch, two inches tall and three inches long. It's literally the size of a stick of gum, right? And so knowing where to place that on a baby, it's very different than placing that on an adult knowing the baby can't be eating or being held by its mom or crying or moving or doing any of the things. So right back down to the very basics of how to do vital signs, you're almost starting over with a baby. It's completely different. So we take you right back to that level of assessment and teach you what to look for. 
we do expect that you're coming to the table knowing what a well baby looks like. I can't teach you, I can't teach you everything about well babies. I just, there's not enough hours to do that. So the expectation, if if you're coming as a NICU nurse, the expectation is that you know what a well baby looks like. You know what is normal for a baby Mm -hmm. so that I can teach you what isn't normal and how to recognize what isn't normal. So that's kind of super long-winded, but that was, that's basically what your, your um, orientation will look like. That being said, when you're finished your buddy shifts, most nurses are still very dear in the headlights, very much full of questions. And we encourage that. We so encourage that team approach to nursing and that you are not an island. You're not expected to go off now and just be by yourself. We always function as a team. You always have someone there to help you. And when we assign um, nurses, like new NICU nurses to a baby, we always make sure there are lots of um, staff also working that can support that new nurse. Because we know um, rapidly deteriorating babies happen. They can happen in an hour, right? So being able to have those supports present all the time is is very recognized and very supported. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, what I hear you saying it's, you know, it's that combination of classroom work as well as that clinical piece mm-hmm. that we should expect in, mm-hmm. in the nurseries or NICU. And mm-hmm. so I, I had a little bit of a different experience because I was going into a level three NICU. And so maybe can you just tell the audience what the differences are between yeah. the level one, two, three? I feel like it's different than adult world, but maybe... I feel like it's flipped. Is it? Maybe it doesn't? So level, I don't know. A level one NICU is almost more of a step-down unit from postpartum. So um, I don't think we have a level... I don't actually know where the level ones are in Alberta. I'm not Just sure. Just newborn nurseries. They would be called yeah, yeah. newborn. Um, but they would take a, a stable, a stable neonate who may need some supports, right? Like maybe low blood sugar, um, maybe even low flow, something like that. I'm not sure. Level two, though, will take babies that we can intubate babies. We can have um, CPAP. We can do central lines. Um, we give a surfactant. Um, we obviously provide the normal things like phototherapy, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of supports. And then level three babies are babies that are going to be more long-term and they may need require more intervention. So babies that need cooling or babies that are born below a certain gestation, um, usually less than 32 or 30 weeks, they're gonna go to a level three NICU. Um, babies that need to be on um, intubated for longer than 24 to 48 hours will go to a level three. Um, oscillator babies, they'll go mm-hmm. to a level, a level three. So it's, really breaks down into the level of support that the baby needs mm-hmm. as to which NICU they'll go to. Mm-hmm. So, And when I started, I actually started at a level three, mm-hmm. but I did not start at level three. Right. <laughs> because right. You, you had to be competent at level one, two, mm-hmm. then you went to level three, and that's why my orientation, when I say it was three months long, yes. I, didn't, I wasn't in classroom for three months. Yeah, You know, I, I had to be orientated to level one, have my skills checklist, do that with my buddy nurse, show that I could do that. Oh, level two. And then once I was competent in my level three, then they mm-hmm. sent me back to the level three site mm-hmm. because it was only a level three 
yeah. NICU babies yeah, were where I was. So, yeah. the, I mean, that's something that you have to look at when you're looking for a neonatal job is take, take a look at the descriptions. And I just did a little quick view last night of NICU jobs and what the qualifications were and what the requirements were that these employers were asking. And they were a bit all over the board, I'm not going to lie. So mm-hmm. some of them... And it, there was a difference between sites. I could definitely see some mm-hmm. commonalities between sites. Some of them were saying you need to come with your NRP, which is the neonatal, oh. neonatal resuscitation mm-hmm. program. They wanted that. Some sites you will be trained in your NRP mm-hmm. when you're hired. That's not something that you need to come with. So some of them asked that you had that. Certainly you're going to need your BLS. Yeah. You're going to need an active CARNA number. Some of them were saying that they recommended the certification exam or additional education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was an asset. But pretty much all of them said additional experience Mm -hmm. was also an asset. Mm -hmm. And so so that's something that nursing students, you know, sometimes fear or at least they verbalize is that, you know, if I don't start in the specialty, I'm never going to end up there. So, I mean, that's... That's something that we can talk about is why is experience outside of the NICU so important for NICU mm-hmm. nursing? So what mm-hmm. experience, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, pediatrics, L&D, knowing the normals of the newborn, but what other skills or experience would you say is beneficial to neonatal nursing? I feel um, even nurses who come from places like um, long-term care or high acuity um, nursing department, like um well, even surgical units or places like that, they bring great time management skills with them and priority setting skills with yeah. them. So the NICU is very much, um, it's very evolving. So what you get when you show up for your 12-hour shift is not necessarily what you get when you leave. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you may even change assignments halfway through, depending mm-hmm. on the condition of your baby or who knows, who yeah. knows, right? Who gets admitted? Yeah. What, you know, 30-week twins were delivered all of a sudden that nobody was expecting, all of those things. So being able to just roll with the punches, mm-hmm. don't get too worked up if you have to change your assignment. Um, you know, it's, it's okay. That's what NICU nursing is. Be ready to just face the day and tackle it as it comes. And these nurses who bring those skills with them, that's a huge asset to know. Um, if you can map out your day in the beginning, great. Um, kind of plan out where your breaks are, plan out where you're going to do your, your teaching, your parent teaching, um, plan out those things, always knowing that that could change. You, you might not have that perfect day ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, so, and interestingly enough, like even when I teach med surge, that mm-hmm. is a skill that we talk about a lot, right? Is that mm-hmm. the ability to manage your time. Mm-hmm. Anybody can manage their time when they have a good day and when everything Absolutely. is going well. So yes. Shannon, I love that you mentioned that in terms of like, sometimes you have to put that time management off to the side and focus on prioritization. Yes. What's the most important thing absolutely. I need to do right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that we talk about, certainly in clinical, um, pulling up some clinical experiences, is something called cognitive stacking, right? And you have to be quite proficient in understanding how long do assessments take, um, mm-hmm. mapping out the day, time management, exactly saying, okay, how much time will it take me to do medication administration? How right. long will it take me to do patient education? And then looking at all of that, 
in amongst your, so a typical workload, I would say mm-hmm. for NICU is maximum three babies. Yes. I mean, it, like in worst Usually. case scenario, we, we do four, but that's undesirable. Yeah. And then if you go to level three, it was usually one-to-one. If the baby was medically paralyzed, mm-hmm. they were always one-to-one, but sometimes mm-hmm. we would have two patients max in a level three. So right. just so people know, we're not having seven babies here. No, babies. not like, at all. I, it drives <laughs> me like, I would have a panic attack when I hear adult nurses like, oh, seven patients I'm like <laughs> I can't I don't know I'm like I can't I can't like I don't even it's like cheaper by the dozen right yeah I just the high numbers in me just don't mix just because of so many things in the no. middle I'm like that's too high we're gonna don't overdose them oh my gosh they're breathing too fast <laughs> I'm breathing too fast but like yeah, we don't, we don't have that same patient load, but don't be deceived by the patient load being three. Like, your time is filled up. The other thing that's funny is parents walk in, and they're it's hilarious because the lights are dim, the babies are quiet, and they're like, it's so calm in here. Meanwhile, we are all drip sweating. Yeah. <laughs> Not, and starving and have to pee. So oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. So we work so hard, but the environment itself is deceiving. Yeah. You wouldn't know that to walk in. No. At all. Most of the time. I actually didn't know, because I'm coming from no NICU experience, Mm -hmm. I actually didn't realize until recently that there is, like, a volume requirement. The ear. I was saying the ear. There's, like, a literal, it looks like an ear. Yes, I did not know anything about this until I said, why is it always so quiet in there? Like, every time the the gates, the the doors open as I walk by the unit, it goes, (laughs) oh. And then I'm like, why are none of the babies crying or people talking? That's why. You know, as you have to be quiet, we students, also that's consciously, why. We <laughs> also consciously, the circadian rhythm, so it's dark at night, a little bit lighter during the day, but never broad daylight loud. We really minimize that in the NICU. So it's very deceiving. A lot of times it looks like everything's so quiet. You guys are so calm. It doesn't mean it's not busy. It can be very busy. <laughs> you just have a really good game face, right? <laughs> And, you know, talking about the environment, you know, we very much follow something called NIDCAP, right? Mm -hmm. Newborn Individualized Developmental Care. Something. (laughs) (laughs) That's an assessment and plan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, but essentially it's, it's, it's creating individualized care to support the development of these little babies. So we're, we're, you know, joking about the, the sound and the volume and the lights and how everything comes and it's so calm. We need to do that. Mm-hmm. We need to do that to support Absolutely. these little ones that are really supposed to still be growing in a dark little place yeah. and having no noise and no light. And because that's really the end goal is that they continue to develop to the point where they can then flourish outside of the NICU without needing all these supports. That's right. So we very much have to support that environment of lack of stimuli and, and the, that there's a lot of parent teaching that goes in with that too because a time. lot of parents don't actually know that and how would they we don't expect them to know that it's not intrinsically you don't intrinsically know that you have to be quiet around all of these preemies no think you can just visit and you know even their isolate doors you slam them closed or knock the bedside table around really loudly all of those things are like very no-no. Yeah. It's, it's very encouraged that all socks are sound. They say, um, literature even supports that the sound of a suction machine left on mm-hmm. next to a baby's isolate can be very de- detrimental to their growth and development. So sounds that we don't even process, like our ears aren't even hearing them, mm-hmm. um, those sounds need to be completely minimized. And I've, I've absolutely told parents or the team as they're doing rounds like, shh, 
shh, mm-hmm. you guys are being too loud. Like, let's all regroup here. Let's focus. Let's recognize how loud this place is at this moment in time and reset here. And yeah. honestly, everyone is very receptive to that because it's shared knowledge. That, that is yeah. super important to the growth and development of, of these babies. So, Yeah. And just thinking about extra skills that you bring to the table by going elsewhere and having yeah. this outside of experiences. We talk mm-hmm. about education all the time and families and I have to say in all the places that I've worked the NICU really has had the most I would say complex families but the most vulnerable families I've ever Mm -hmm. met in my life Mm -hmm. you know they've got this wonderful experience you know birth is wonderful but it's not always a wonderful experience Mm -hmm. um or a wonderful thing for families Mm -hmm. and um Coming with the skills of how to talk to families and understanding what family nursing is, Mm -hmm. I think is imperative if you want to be a NICU nurse. Mm -hmm. And having the skills of communication, Mm -hmm. conflict resolution, difficult conversations, Mm -hmm. um, and being able to advocate for your, your neonates as well as being a leader in a multidisciplinary team because we do advocate for our NICU babies and we have to talk to not only the, obviously the families, we include the families, but we have to talk to everybody a part of, who's a part of the team and you, you right. have to have that confidence coming into the mm-hmm. NICU. So just talking a little bit more about, well, who, do we, who are we saying we're working with here? Because yeah. neonatal nursing is not just an individual, pri- it, we do primary nurse, but it's never just you alone on assignment. Mm-hmm. And you said that. That's not the expectation. That's not ever what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. So who is a part of the team in the NICU? Sure. Um, we are actually a bigger team than maybe most people would even recognize. But we have, obviously, bedside nurses. Um, there's always um, an AHN, so an assistant head nurse on, on the floor, Um, We have social workers who are huge support for us because pretty much I would say 0% of families plan for NICU admission. That's not what they plan for when they decide to expand their family and have a baby. Um, NICU is really never part of that. So um, if you have a baby that that presents with unexpected challenges, a lot of these families really need the support of a social worker, a family support worker, mm-hmm. to help them navigate that. Especially some of these babies who are born with things like trisomy 21 or those different challenges that maybe were undiagnosed um, pre-birth or were di- diagnosed, honestly, before. Um, those families are always, always supported by our social worker. There's a lot of things that she does for us, um, even in terms of paperwork and like financial support for children with disabilities, all of those types of things. So she's a huge, huge benefit as our, for our team. We also, um, a lot of NICU teams include neonatal nurse practitioners. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they, they're kind of the, that one consistent part of the team. Nurses kind of come and go, pediatricians, depending on the model um, of staffing at this site, but pediatricians can come and go. Um, our NNPs are a constant. The families have said have been hugely supportive for them to just have that one person that's always the same week in and week out. Um, obviously, pediatricians, neonatologists, um, <laughs> X-ray technicians, radiology, all of those support people. We collaborate with them on a daily basis. 
Um, who can I forget? Who can't I forget? We have RNs, LPNs. RTs. RTs, absolutely. Pharmacist. Pharmacists. And we do have RTs and pharmacists designated specifically to our match child profile. So they know babies inside and out. They're amazing. Um, Registered they, dietitians. Absolutely. Dietitians. <laughs> Super awesome. Yep. Honestly, I, the list just keeps getting longer the more I talk about it. Yeah. There's and I, a lot of people we collaborate with all the time. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And um, at the Children's Hospital I was in in the city, we also worked a lot with, and we do work with OTs here, occupational mm-hmm. therapists. And mm-hmm. I didn't know this until I really went to NICU was, I think, occupational therapy. I'm like, well, they're not writing. Yeah. They're not typing. What? Why would we get right. the OT in here? But it's feeding. It They're is there feeding. for feeding. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Let's consult them. Isn't that funny? <laughs> They're not holding their soother yet. What are we talking about? Yeah. Right? And then physiotherapy too. Mm-hmm. And that can happen for kids that have contractures mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe they are, you know, medically paralyzed or, yeah. or what have you. But we don't use a lot of physiotherapy not in a our lot, clinical but we side. Have, but we have in the past. We have, but it's, it's probably not one of the more common ones. But, yes, it is amazing to know as a NICU nurse that I have a person for that. Yeah. <laughs> I can call a guy. I yeah. got a guy I'm going to call to right. help this. We don't work as an island at all. No, and, and I would say the other thing that I guess one of the loves that we've mentioned them over and over again, but the other critical member of the team is the family. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. you are you are not actually allowed. You it's an impossibility to work in a NICU without nursing the family. Mm-hmm. It is not you are not nursing a baby, and that is also the major difference I find with NICU nursing, pizza nursing, and adult nursing and maybe I'm wrong. Our, the adult nursing will be, of course we nurse the family. No, no. Our family centered care model is very specific that that patient would not flourish without the family Mm-mm. and their success lies on the family it does and we encourage these moms and dads like please come 24 7 if you can yeah obviously i i always have given permission to my moms i've said you can go home and sleep you can yeah. go and nap you need to take care of yourself too but families are absolutely welcome to be in the NICU all hours of the day the more skin to skin the better the more cuddling the better the more that mom can breastfeed the better all of those things yeah the family is imperative and we've actually i mean anecdotally i'm sure it's supported by literature as well but these babies whose families can't be present as much as as we would like they tend to be in the NICU a little bit longer than babies whose families are there all the time it's just it's just the nature of their growth and development. Yeah. So, Do you find that your care of your NICU babies, um, like I, I know that it changes a lot based on what the family dynamics are and what mm-hmm. the what the situation is, but do you find that families sometimes bring things that you're like, wow, we have to really take this into consideration, like something like infertility or mm-hmm. something like previous loss mm-hmm. or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like how do you... Um, uh, absolutely. How do you do that? I think the key to the key to connecting with families and these moms, especially who are so vulnerable at this stage in their life, is to not be afraid to ask them point blank. Like, how are you doing? How is that previous loss affecting you right now? Like, is there something I can do to help you? I think as nurses and as humans 
we sometimes don't like to face those questions head on because it's it can be awkward for us. Or mm-hmm. we worry like, am I going to say the wrong thing, or am I am I going to make this worse? Do I am I going to say something that makes her more sad? You can only know that she's already thinking those things. She's she's not for she hasn't forgotten about the loss at all. She's not even close to forgetting about the loss. So us talking about it is the best thing that we can do. And I've been given that feedback from these moms. Like, I just need to talk about it. Like that's I just need to talk about it. And I think being open and not afraid to to address that elephant in the room is probably one of the biggest fears that if you can overcome that, you're going to connect so much better with your families if you can do that. And I, speaking of like other experiences that make you a stronger NICU nurse is you really have to have a strong understanding of maternity mm-hmm. to be quite frank, because the baby's story started with the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so understanding the journey of the pregnancy was part of their story, mm-hmm. right? Their story wasn't when they entered the room. Mm-hmm. And so when you meet these families, this story began months ago, sometimes mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. And this is just one snapshot, right? Mm-hmm. And, and understanding the journeys of the families, yeah. um, I think can absolutely change the experience, the power that the parents feel. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're saying a lot about moms, but sometimes we, just get dads, we get surrogates, we it's see so it all. We, families come in all shapes and sizes and understanding that journey, um, I think just makes us better at bedside yeah. and makes them more successful, I right? Agree. It helps us integrate them because again, like they're a part of the team and I, I purposely say that to every single one of my families. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, sometimes they need to hear that over and over again, but you know, at the end of my spiel every single day and you know, this is what the NICU looks like, blah, blah, blah. But I said, if you didn't hear anything I just said, which chances are you heard nothing that I said <laughs> other than a yappy mouth, is I want you to know that you were a member of this team. Mm-hmm. And what you say matters. Absolutely. What you do matters. And we're here to support you. And what you... And honestly, those parents know the baby better than we do. I've said that do. so many times, too. You are here every single day and night. I'm only here for two to three days in a row. And then I might not see you until next week for two or three days in a row. And so you know, if you think something is off with your baby, yeah. please tell me. Yeah, I will 100% trust what you're telling me, right? And you're so right, Lisa, about the um, what experiences they had previous. Very recently, I had a mom. I was checking in on her. Um, she wasn't assigned to me, but I'm educated. I go around the unit, talk to people, connect with the family, see what I can do to support the team and the families and she was snuggling her baby and she's like I I just want to go home all I want to do is to go home and I pulled up a chair and I said well let's talk about what's happening and I found out that she's she was this baby's adoptive mother and that they'd been on a list for three or four years to get this baby and she just started bawling her head off she's just overwhelmed with gratitude that she was finally holding her baby and she's just madly infatuated and in love with her baby and that was I let her talk for probably 30 minutes about her story and she just kept saying, I kept saying to her like, you don't have to tell me this if you don't want to, but I am loving it. I want to hear about it. I find it so fascinating and so interesting because I didn't know very much about the adoption process and what it's like to have a newborn baby and 
to not be the biological mom. And she's like, well, as long as you want to listen, I'm going to talk to you. (laughs) I said, sure. Like, just tell me all the things. It's so amazing. And the love she had for that baby was just unbelievable. Like, she was radiating just how infatuated she was with that child. And so I knew the baby wasn't super well. He had some challenges. And she was struggling with that and we were able to just talk about it and connect and it was it was amazing it was amazing I don't think like you said Natalie I don't think nursing the family is replicated any other unit the way it is in the NICU I just don't think it is because our our patient is almost more the family than the baby itself because the baby doesn't actually speak or tell us their emotions or try to connect with us on an emotional level, right? That's so the family's Sometimes they pee on us and that's about <laughs> it. But the families do. The families absolutely do. So, so rewarding. I love it. And when I think about theories, you know, students always say, I'm never going to use CFAM, the Calgary Family Assessment Model, and and... We were talking a little bit about this before the podcast, and I think you asked experienced nurses, oh, what nursing theory do you use? And they just kind of laugh at you, and you're like, oh, that was nursing school. I don't really use it anymore. But I see CFAM in in the NICU all the time because it's family strength. So we look Mm -hmm. at their strengths and say, okay, what are you doing well? Let's build on that. But we look at the family as a unit and recognize that if there's a change to one member of the family, Mm -hmm. the family unit changes. Absolutely. Right? So what happens to that baby affects mom, dad, the other mom, whatever, whoever is in the family. Even the siblings at home. Absolutely. Right? A lot of times we forget that those siblings at home, especially with the pandemic, they can't come in and meet their their new baby sister or new baby brother. Yeah. And so the moms actually struggle with that too. Yeah. They're like, Big I time. feel like I'm so torn between my kids at home and my baby in the NICU and which one needs me more and which one deserves more of my time, all of those things. We help them kind of navigate that. And like I said earlier, we give them permission. I I feel like sometimes they are asking for permission to leave. Like they want to be in the NICU all day and all night. And while we want that too, we also recognize that's not feasible for all families. Like that's just not doable for some moms and dads, right? So, and talking about theories too and models, my favorite model in nursing school is the McGill model, and I think it applies very well to the NICU. I only remember, like, bits and pieces of it, but I I think, honestly, you're going to take the principles of these models forward with you into your career, and even when you don't think you're using them, you'll look back at your textbook, or I guess it's not textbooks anywhere. It's probably your the website. <laughs> your OER. so old. <laughs> You're going to look back and say, oh, my gosh, I totally do that. I I do yeah. that. I follow that model. Yeah. Totally. Right? So it's not useless information. Mm-hmm. As a student, I kind of thought it was. It's like, oh, this is so dumb. Like, I'm not ever going to care about this. As soon as I graduate, <laughs> going out of my brain, I'm done. Nope. Still there. Just sneaks up Still on you. Still there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. One thing I I don't want to lose this, you know, question of who is a part of the nursing team, because we we talked a little bit about the multidisciplinary team and how many people it takes to care for one little teeny weeny four pound baby or less, you know, but what are the roles that the nurse can do? 
So there's different roles that the actual bedside nurse can take. Just Oh, I see what you're Yeah. Is. Okay. So what different types of things can NICU nurses do, like, within the team? Yes. Okay. That's a good question, actually. So obviously, pretty pretty obvious. Um, you can be a bedside nurse, so you're yes. going to be the primary okay. nurse of that baby. Okay. Um, there's the assistant head nurse, so that's the AHN. So that's the nurse who's kind of consistently in charge, whether that's days, evenings, nights. It's 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 the same person every week okay. who's in charge. Um, we have nurse practitioners who are they're a little more advanced scope, obviously, but they're nurses still. Yep. Um, and they can write orders and and write orders for tests and blood work and all those kinds of things. There's someone like myself. I'm an educator. Absolutely love this job. I'm new-ish to it. Um, I wasn't even sure if I wanted it, but the hours looked appealing. And so I decided I'm going to give it a shot. And you guys, I love it. Don't be offended. I love it. It's all good. I can tell. I can tell, girlfriend. She's smiling from ear to ear. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's amazing to watch baby nurses um, spread their their wings and succeed. Yeah. And they're so proud of themselves. And yeah. I'm so proud of them. I feel like their mom. You did so good just now. Yeah. It's super rewarding <laughs> so being an nice. educator. Yeah, I love it. And I also really enjoy the challenge of finding strategies because not everyone learns the same way, especially adult learners, right? Not everyone learns the same way. So trying to meet people where they're going to best like absorb that knowledge and be able to replicate it and, and actually understand it. So I think that's super rewarding. So there's there's that. Um what other roles recess can nurses? nurse A recess nurse. Yeah, yep. that's a good one. So that's the nurse in the NICU who attends any high-risk deliveries. They go to the OR, go to the C-sections. Um, they're also at times afloat on the floor. So if they're not doing a delivery, um, they can help the other nurses do various things, making sure people get their breaks, things like that. Not only that, but if... Um, if there's a critically ill baby in the unit who is in need of immediate resuscitation or immediate interventions with a skilled team, the recess nurse is is absolutely going to be a, going to be a part of that. Um, resuscitation nurse is always a skilled nurse who has experience and who can basically do full scope. So she can she can literally do full scope of NICU nursing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are kind of um, the nurse roles within the NICU. Um, and so that doesn't mean you have to, thanks for sharing that, because we think that there are different roles in the NICU that you wouldn't see, say, in med surge, right? So, um, and not everybody wants to be a resuscitation nurse. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is, maybe you are adrenaline junkie. I mean, I don't ride my bike without a helmet. I, <laughs> I, I get mad when I see adults not wearing helmets, but the kids are, and then they're just like, I, like, I don't like it. And so I feel like my adrenaline days are gone. I don't want to See, do it anymore. And you know what? I absolutely love you go, girl. recess. Yeah, I you do love it. love it. It's my favorite. If I could just do that every day, I would do that every day. And I don't consider myself an adrenaline junkie, though. I, I really don't. I, please don't put me anywhere other than NICU. I would literally poop my pants. Like, I would be so, so afraid. I would be so afraid. <laughs> that would be very awkward <laughs> and very terrifying. Yeah. No. But, yeah, recess nursing. Oh, yeah. Love it. And it's the best. Well, and I think, too, some people hate it. So if you hate it, you don't have to do it. I mean, unless there's no one else. 
Unless, Unless there's, there's no one, one standing in the short end of the stick. Then fine. <laughs> but usually we try to to let the people who love it do it. Yeah. And the people who hate it, you don't have to do it. Usually those people are so good with breastfeeding teaching and teaching families and they love doing that. And so I think you should place people where their skills are mm-hmm. and utilize them where they're going to be most effective. So if you hate recess, but you're super awesome at breastfeeding teaching, go do that. And yeah. you can shine, right? Totally get that. And yes, we do want everybody to shine. <laughs> and I mean, if you're working in bigger centers, there would also be that, they call them transport nurse mm-hmm. role as well. So there is also that opportunity for a different kind of role in NICU as well when you get to some of the bigger centers where they become transport nurses and you'd have an additional course for that mm-hmm. um, as well. So um, what would you say, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the great things mm-hmm. in the NICU. Um, and those things that perhaps have changed us as people, I would say that's the thing about the NICU is um, sometimes I feel like I'm getting more out of it and I feel a bit selfish at times because I went, wow, that changed my life mm-hmm. um, because I felt so privileged to be there. And, you know, I think resoundingly it's been the families, but what would you say has been um, the hardest part about working in the NICU? part of the NICU. I think I agree with you. NICU nursing is, maybe this isn't, maybe people wouldn't assume this right off the get-go, but NICU nursing is almost always really good. I mean, yes, they're sick babies, but almost always they get better and go home with their families. Like, they, babies are amazing. They're resilient. They, when they get better, they get better so quick. All of a sudden they're leaving. Like, they were intubated three days ago. And now they're going home in a car seat. Like, what? You don't really see that with adults. Well, you wouldn't see them in a car seat. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really weird. I am. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think NICU nursing is overwhelmingly, for me, positive. It's almost always good. Everybody almost always is happy at the end of the story. They go home. And let's all celebrate. Goodbye, good luck, congratulations with your baby. Everything's happy. For me, I find that when it's bad, though, it's very bad. It's kind of two extremes. It's 95 per, 97% amazing, 3% very, very horrible. And so that, that 3% is such a small part of my career. Um, I'm talking more poor outcomes or... Babies that that do pass away or families that don't cope well at all and break down or or really suffer emotionally or psychologically with the NICU admission Um, or domestic issues that we see among families. Those kinds of things make up a very small part of NICU nursing. But for me, um, it's it's just when those things happen, they impact they impact me so much. right like it's it's so impactful when something bad happens it does take me some time to I don't want to say get over it because you don't get over it but it takes me some time to process it and I've gone home from shifts and hugged my kids and didn't want to let go of them because I just can't 
process yet the loss that a family just had an hour before at, at my work, right? And I think the other tough part of NICU nursing is really the only people who truly get it are NICU nurses. I can't go home and talk to my husband. I can talk to my husband about it, but he's more there as a moral support and say, I'm really sad that you had a bad day. Um, you should go to bed. I'll make you some tea. But he doesn't actually get it. Like he doesn't, our families, and it's not their fault. They just, if they don't live in our world, they are just as ignorant of NICU nursing as I was before I'd ever been in a NICU. So yes, it's our life. We go there every day. We know it inside and out. That's what I, I live and breathe. Most of my waking hours is NICU nursing, but I feel like my family doesn't even know what I do. I can't take them to my job. It's not like take your kids to work day and show them what you do. Like nobody actually knows what I do. And I do this 40 hours a week. Like most of my waking hours, I'm there mm -hmm. and nobody knows it. Like nobody knows what it looks like. I feel like our, a lot of our spouses or, or other careers, you can go into where they work and kind of get a sense of what they do every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Or even other units of the hospital. Most of us have seen what they look like. You know what it look, an adult unit looks like, even from movies, right? But NICU nursing is just unknown. So to me, that's been a challenge. And I feel like it's a challenge that you really can't fix. It just, it just is. It just is what it is. You can't really share um, NICU nursing with anyone but your NICU peeps. <laughs> your NICU peeps. I mean, my mom's that person for me. I come home I think and that's it, amazing. And the lingo. Yeah. We have so many acronyms. We could talk in acronyms, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and then no one else would even know it. No. Like, We're talking in a different language. Absolutely. Um, but I I would I would agree. That was such a a great way of saying that the good times are good and the bad times are really bad. Mm -hmm. And just to be aware of that, I know people think. So I, I kind of had that illusion, disillusion, I suppose, walking into the NICU thinking that they're all going to be happy endings. I'm just going to save a life today yeah. as per my fig scrub. No big deal. <laughs> yes. Save a life. No big deal. Whatever. Um, but there's not always great cases. And I've really had yeah. to, I've grown as a person. And that's where I would say that experience. And it's not just like, don't just come at this as a subspecialty as a new grad is my advice because you have to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their own journey. You can come in as a mature student, maybe you're completely ready for that. But it's not just a skills thing. Mm -hmm. And we're talking not just skills of talking to a family, leadership, conflict resolution, skills of the actual NICU assessment. I'm talking that you, you have to have those mechanisms of place to mitigate moral distress, mm -hmm. um, particular, particularly, and, and know how to decompress mm -hmm. um, and... Kind of have some sort of balance in your in your and it, in your it sounds life. kind of sad that you would need to practice that like it's sad that you would have enough opportunities to practice that in your life to be honest like who wants to practice that but i i think as awful as it is you you get better at it yeah. you get better at processing um we're so bad i think all nurses what could i've done differently or mm -hmm. maybe i missed something or maybe i could have done this or that one thing that's very rewarding about NICU nursing is even when the outcome is poor, we absolutely know we did everything. Mm -hmm. I can look back at those cases that I've had and say, 
like we know we did every single possible thing we could have done. Like there was nothing more that we could have done that would have changed the outcome. And so if there's a little bit of a silver lining, we know that. I mean, uh, a baby who has some sort of um, incompatibility with life or a cardiac issue or something like that that wasn't diagnosed, you you do what you can. And then if it, if it has a poor outcome, you know that we've literally done what we could, right? So a silver lining, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think... For anybody going into any unit, uh, you know, another just a tip of advice is, you know, if you are going to those high stressful areas, find a unit that works with you. Find an area that's going to support you mm-hmm. because not every unit's the same. Not every unit's supportive. Not I remember on certain units that I've worked on that it was unacceptable to shed a tear and that you better mm-hmm. go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you better have your cry, wipe your friggin' face and come back. Wow. And that, oh. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Oh, oh that's getting edited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. Oh, we're going to restart with little, that little, little technical malfunction. <laughs> team, but we're good. You wipe your friggin' face. <laughs> I mean, the computer shuts down. Um, yeah, <laughs> the end. You're talking too much. Goodbye. I've worked yeah. in places where it was unacceptable to feel emotion at bedside. It was unacceptable to talk about it outside of work. It was, it was if you can't handle yourself um, with a situation that was in front of you, you shouldn't be a NICU nurse. Wow, really? Yeah, and so that's something I think, you know, as anybody going, this is for anybody in nursing, is find a unit that you feel supported, mm-hmm. um, that you don't feel worse leaving. Mm-hmm. And if you feel worse leaving, Mm-hmm. that might not be the place for you mm-hmm. and that's okay too because it's worth it's worth being able to handle those things and having a supportive unit I think that's a honestly I'm happy you brought that up because we have had a, not many but we have had a handful of nurses that have have thought they were a good fit for NICU and they chose to stop the orientation and didn't complete recognizing that it wasn't a fit they felt they felt overwhelmed with the responsibility of, mm-hmm. of, of the role, honestly. And I think that that's okay. Like You're allowed to admit that it might not be a fit for you. It doesn't make you a bad person. It actually makes you very self-aware. Huge. And Huge. I think it's it shows character yep. to just be up front and say, you know what? This isn't what I expected, and I don't think it's a fit. And that's okay. Yep. You're not a bad person. No. Nope. That happens, right? How would you know? So yeah. I kind of felt that that on day three of my remote outpost. <laughs> but there's no fly out. I had no where else I couldn't leave. So yeah, it's kind of stuck there. <laughs> and so I yeah, I mean like the take-home messages, you know, mm-hmm. you might think you like to you you want to do NICU nursing, you try it, maybe it's not for you, that's okay. Yeah. Or it might be completely spontaneous where you never thought you'd like it at all, and all of a sudden it grabs your heart, and that's where you end up being. And you love it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that that's it for nursing, right? Is yeah. We can't always predict these things, but I, I love how you said that's really more character, mm-hmm. you know, um, to show that you are self-aware that, you know, this isn't going to be a place that I mm-hmm. that I flourish. And, and that is okay. So just for the audience, you know, if you do want to learn more about 
the NICU in itself. There's a couple places that you could go to build more knowledge when it comes to neonatal nursing. I don't know, Shannon, if you want to talk about these, these items here or if you want me to. You can talk about them, actually, because I, I know what they are, but probably accessing them you would sure. better about. <laughs> yeah, and so we're just talking about specialty um, associations that if you want to learn about something that is a specialty, usually there's some sort of organization or association that you can either join or, or check out, become a member, that you don't have to be a NICU nurse in order to join these things. So some of the things that I would recommend if you want to learn more about neonatal nursing and get involved in the language, the conferences, being a part of collaboration with other people within the, the area of specialty is, we've got our Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, um, and that's also the association that would help build um, knowledge and offer some education related to your CNA, neonatal nursing certificate. They do offer some education sessions on that. We've got um, something local here. We've got Alberta Neonatal Nurses Association. You can look to see if there's a local site um, within your province. I was going to say state because this could be international. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, you can have your National Association of Neonatal Nursing, which is the American Association. <laughs> and, and really, I find that one is phenomenal when it comes to um, educational resources um, and resources also for healthcare professionals. And also the CNA, which also has your Canadian Nursing Association Neonatal Certification. Um, and for that, there, there would be some requirements to write your neonatal certification. And so those requirements are both um, based on you'd have to write the exam, but also that you need to have uh, a certain amount of clinical hours in order to be eligible to write the neonatal certification. So I've gotten that question before from students saying, is there any certifications that I can have coming into the neonatal nursing um, realm? And so the CNA certification, that's part of having that accreditation, right, is that certification saying I have both the hours and I have the knowledge via standardized test, right? So no, you wouldn't be able to have that, but there is something uh, like a post certificate on neonatal nursing that you can take at some colleges, and there's also an online one that you can do as well. But would you recommend those things, or do you think that that's Absolutely. something... Yes, I find um, if you can immerse yourself in the culture of NICU nursing, mm -hmm. it's just there's there's so much outside of our little bubble or wherever you're hired or the team that you're working with personally. If you can glean um, information and knowledge from these, absolutely. I think they're hugely beneficial. And I think there's also different perks too that you can get from being members. Like it actually looks good on your resume. So mm -hmm. if you do want to apply yeah. to be a NICU nurse, if you have those on your resume, they look, they show initiative, right? They look, they, they show that you're interested in neonatal nursing more than just a paycheck or you just want a job right if you're yeah. if you're immersed in that culture um I, I definitely think it's an asset and i think also it it also demonstrates that you're an evidence-based mm -hmm. nurse right is that these associations often have publications that you can you know subscribe to at least the table of contents and then you can read the i do that all the time i'm like table of contents for so many different journals and then i just choose which article i want to mm -hmm. read but then you get all of the notifications of what the current research is right so yeah. at least i know the trends i know yeah. what people are talking about what the issues are but that demonstrates that i'm evidence-based that mm -hmm. i know what the current research mm -hmm. is and then you can go to conferences and such uh, as well so mm -hmm. those are those are some things there that you can think about 
um, looking into if you want to know a little bit about about neonatal nursing. So I think um, how can NICU nursing further a nursing career in the future? Um, and what skills maybe that are transferable to other things for those people mm -hmm. that maybe do neonatal nursing? Um, are they stuck in NICU or mm -hmm. can they go anywhere I afterward? I absolutely think there's so many skills that, that you can obtain being a NICU nurse that are translatable to, yeah. to other areas of nursing. Yeah, absolutely there are. The things that we talked about already, like time management, yeah. even um, recognition of a deteriorating patient. Yes, it may look different in a neonate versus an adult or peds patient, but those critical thinking skills, yeah. time management, priority setting, um, absolutely those things would be beneficial. I think mm -hmm. back to being up north, um, being a relatively new nurse, it was in the first two years of my nursing career that I did do that. Um, if I was to go back now, oh my gosh, I would just crush that compared to, <laughs> yeah. to compared to then. Yeah. Just and yes, I've just done neonatal nursing since then, and obviously it's not a, a NICU up there up north, but I feel like the skills that I've been able to hone um, as a NICU nurse would be so applicable just to in general being a better nurse. I, I agree. Um, and also just your, your communication, mm -hmm. I think, is a huge one. Um, mm -hmm. Communication amongst a team, working within team, um, mm -hmm. are also very, very transferable. Absolutely. I think you would have to relearn some of those standardized dosing. Well, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Even vital signs. Yeah. Like what's normal for yeah. adults. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I have to think way back to actually remember what that is. I say that to my students all the time. I can, like, look at an adult. I can kind of talk to an adult, but I just can't take care of an adult anymore. I feel like I would wow. I would go downhill. Even lab work. Like, lab yeah, they're going to die. The lab values, yeah. if I saw an adult, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, this person is crashing and burning. Everybody would be bradycardic. <laughs> you know, like, I would be doing CPR on everybody with a pulse of 45 or 60. Holy <laughs> shit, they would die. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but, it, so... I hope that this was helpful for for the listeners here to, to learn about a little bit about a snapshot of, of why we love neonatal nursing, how it's impacted us as humans, how important it is um, for us to look at the family yes. when it comes to neonatal, neonatal nursing and maybe some some things that they can do to, to build their resume if they want to come to the NICU. Um, and also that it's okay that if you do not get your preceptorship in the NICU, mm. that does not make you incompatible with the NICU. I also hope that for whatever reason, maybe some nurses who haven't even thought about NICU nursing would mm -hmm. listen to this yeah. and maybe think about doing it. Yeah. NICU nursing is absolutely amazing. Like, I have thought to myself, if I wasn't a nurse, what, what would I have done instead? And I literally cannot think of anything. Even if I was still a nurse but wasn't a NICU nurse, what would I love outside of NICU nursing? I, I, I can't think of it. I love NICU nursing. I can't imagine doing anything else. So I want you to think back to where I started and knowing that I had zero desire to be a NICU nurse, even in nursing school, until I saw it. So if there's, if there's any way that maybe hearing this has sparked interest mm -hmm. please reach out to the NICU the NICU team where you live mm -hmm. I mean see if you can talk to them or yeah. 
or reach out to your nursing instructor and say, hey, is there an opportunity for me to have a day on a NICU yeah. so that we can show you how amazing it is because you yeah. won't know otherwise. Like yeah. there's really no other opportunity. And once you're no longer a nurse, the great, or, sorry, once no, you're no longer a nursing student, the great thing about being a student, maybe the instructors here won't, won't really like this. Tell me what you think. You can try something without committing to it as yes, a student. Yes, of course you can. Right? Yeah. So if you're applying for a job in the NICU, you have some level of commitment there. You know that there's a chance they're going to say yes and hire you. Do you actually want to do it? Do you want to orientate and then decide you hate it? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go into a NICU and maybe not like it? But as a student, if you have the opportunity to see the inside of a NICU and see what NICU nurses do mm-hmm. without any sort of commitment at all, oh my gosh, that is golden. That's where I was, and that's where I fell in love with it. So please reach out. Like, please just, just think about NICU nursing as maybe something you might love because you just never know. I think that's wonderful advice, Shannon, <laughs> and I hope that inspires and gives ideas to our listeners of, of maybe how to start to love this wonderful world um, mm-hmm. that we both love so much. Mm-hmm. So, Shannon, I'd like to say thank you so much for joining me on this very popular, widely downloaded <laughs> podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's an international me. podcast. Or an internationally <laughs> acclaimed podcast. <laughs> And uh, I, I would say thanks very much for listening, and I, I hope that you learned something today. And um, enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> enjoy the rest of your student life. And enjoy please, we, I, life. I think as well, like, we really encourage that if you have questions, like Shannon and Natalie have said, that if you have questions, if you have things that you're unsure about, if you want to have a shadow day, if you want to have things like that, please reach out, right? So... Um, I'll put in, uh, if it's okay with you, Shannon, I'll mm-hmm. put in maybe an email for you. Yeah, and then absolutely. If, people, if students yeah. have questions, and Natalie, I'll put in your email as well. Um, mm-hmm. So if anybody that's listening would like to reach out to our to our host today, that, that you're more than welcome to do that. So Thanks yeah. for having me, you guys. That Thank you so for fun. coming. Sounds I can't wait good. to show my kids. <laughs> <laughs> How cool we were. Okay, have a good one, guys. <laughs>